Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream. Where is Eagle Eyes on Tech? I am Eagle Falcon, and welcome to the subscriber episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you very much for subscribing, or rather, thank you for just being here. Today, where it's actually a bit of a change of pace, we are recording this live at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon because unfortunately time is running short and I have a lot to actually cover in this bonus episode. Normally we cover basically the overflow topics and then a few topics like I set aside. This time around, however, if you were to look at the tab count, it looks almost as if half of what I had scheduled is going into this bonus episode. We're gonna start things off with Microsoft killing OneDrive support on Windows 7 and Windows 8. So for those who don't know what OneDrive is, OneDrive is the built-in cloud storage service that is already built into pretty much every version of Windows since Windows 7. The integration actually in Windows 10 and 11 specifically is very, very deep. And it's a neat little thing that you get for free and you can subscribe to get it the storage expanded further. So what's gonna end up happening is that you will no longer be able to sync your OneDrive cloud storage with your Windows 7 and Windows 8 machines. And let's be honest, this is only gonna affect Windows 7 users. Nobody is, is still on Windows 8. Anyone who was on Windows 8 jumped on the Windows 10 bandwagon as fast as they could because Windows 8 was atrocious. There's the real tech challenge. You want to say there's a user for everything? Find the Windows 8 diehard. There's the real challenge. It might be the only subsection of tech user that is actually non-existent someone in chat says find the windows me diehard you know there might be a retro enthusiast out there somewhere that is still keeping their windows me machine alive for some piece of legacy software it is quite possible Someone in chat says they found one. <laughs> Windows ME is the retro version of Windows 8. And we're getting some hot takes here in chat today. The thing is that there are, ver there are versions of software that do work best on Windows ME. It's just that 98% of all the software in Windows ME just didn't function. Windows 8, on the other hand, nothing was built for Windows 8. By the time Windows 8 rolled around, and actually by the time Vista rolled around, compatibility versions were very prominent. Anything that would work on Windows XP, you can get working on Windows 7. Anything that you could get working on Windows 7, you could get working on Windows 8. And anything you could get working on Windows 8, you could get working on Windows 10. And in fact, Windows 7 and 8 were so close to each other, Anything you could get working on Windows 8, you also could get working on 
Windows 7. Apparently someone did find a, in our chat here, found a YouTube user that is a Windows 8 diehard. Perhaps the Windows 8 diehard and, uh, and every, every single cryptocurrency Kool-Aid drinker can go ahead and share a room together because they will get along just fine in their blind loyalty to their failed platform. I'd say include the NFT, NFT diehards as well in that, uh, in that tent, but, um, I just don't picture a lot of the NFT diehards willing to listen to anyone other than themselves. They just seem to kind of just have that energy to them. But back to the OneDrive support being killed. You want to know how I can look at OneDrive support ending for Windows 7 and 8 as? I can look at it as crazy person validation for setting up my own server rack in my second bedroom. See, I don't need to worry about your stinky OneDrive cloud support. I built my own cloud. You can't take away my cloud support. I made it. <laughs> Don't actually do that. That's cr it's crazy overkill. If anything, just go make a single server box and run Unraider or FreeNAS on that. Don't make an entire server rack as your personal cloud. That's stupid. Only Linus would do that. And me, apparently. But yeah, if you're still on Windows 7 and 8, um... Be ready to lose your OneDrive support. But I got a feeling if you're still on Windows 7 and 8, you also didn't touch OneDrive at all. Someone in chat just posted a comment from, uh, from a Windows 8 video. 11 days ago, I downgraded from Windows 10 to, Win to Windows 8.1, the best decision I ever made. Ah! My, my, my sanity, my, my faith in humanity is very, very quickly vanishing. Look, I get that Windows 10 has a whole lot of spyware components in it, but I hate to break it to that same idiot. They're in Windows 8 too. And also as far as resource usage, Windows 8 feeling more smoother than it does on Windows 10. Yeah, Windows 10 uses less resources than Windows 8.1. Windows 8 uses less resources than Windows 10, but 8.1 consumes more than 10 because they very hastily threw that together as a stopgap solution before Windows 10 could come out. They basically was just like, all right, Windows 8.1, let's throw this together. Uh, what comes after 8? All right, you got it. 
The fact that there are, there are several Windows 8 users makes me sad. It really, really does. Someone in chat asked what comes after 2020. 2020 Kiwami, obviously. Jeez. This episode is becoming way more meme-filled than I think any other subscriber episode ever has. Let's instead talk about a story that uh, we haven't really talked a whole lot about, mostly because... There wasn't really a whole lot of information about it and no one else was really talking about it. Plus, not, to, not gonna lie. You look at past episodes, there has not been a shortage of tech stories, like at all. Hackers were using the streaming platform Twitch to launder upwards of $10 million. This was kind of talked about, but no one really knew how to talk about it. What was basically happening were hackers were stealing credentials of basically at random Twitch user accounts. And then going ahead, commandeering other streamer accounts. And what they ended up doing is take any residual bits so like, for example, on my account right now, I have, you cannot cheer in your own channel number of bits on my account, but let's pretend that was a real number. Let's say I had a thousand bits, $10 on my account. If someone hacked my account, they'd have access to those $10 and they could go ahead, go to another account they hacked, cheer those bits, and then collect those $10 as now real usable currency. Now that doesn't seem like much, right? The thing is that a lot of users, they wouldn't have $10. They like, think like, up. I, I would say on average, most accounts that actually use bits probably have something like 200 bits, if that. Now go ahead and hack 50,000 accounts. In fact, make it even worse because now every single Twitch username out there leaked. You can start to see how this gets worse. But of course, take an account you hacked, they can go after you for that. But imagine this for a second. All right. What if they decided that instead of risking getting caught by using stolen accounts on both ends, they use a legitimate streamer account? Much less likely to get caught. What they do is that they would come up with a sob story about how we have a whole bunch of money locked into an account and we need to get this money back, but Twitch won't let us refund it. Can we instead cheer the money to you, Mr. Streamer, 
and then you send us 80% of the value in a PayPal transfer and we're all good. It sounds innocent enough, right? Streamer gets a 20% cut for helping out so someone that's in a serious bind. But again, remember where I said the source of this money was? The source of this money is from stolen accounts. Now, this kind of thing's been going on on a small scale for a long time. But recently, and it's hard to say whether this is related to the Twitch hack or not. But this has now been used to launder close to $10 million. And thus why this kind of scam has suddenly gotten news traction. And specifically it was being done by a group in Turkey. Now, for those who haven't heard the main primary episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech, I greatly recommend you do. By the way, it's available for, for free, et cetera, et cetera. Because during there, I had a long rant about some of the problems going on in Twitch. You compile all I said there in the mismanagement of Twitch and the fact that Twitch streamers themselves feel like they're getting absolutely no support, absolutely no communication at all from Twitch, as opposed to what's going on other than please run more ads. By the way, ads still suck, LOL. And you compile it with the fact that a cyber criminal organization in Turkey is earning north of... $10 million or netting almost $10 million over the course of let's even pretend it's five months. Let's pretend this is going over five months. What's Twitch doing about it? Well, what do you think Twitch has said about it? You couldn't even get Twitch to admit, admit they were hacked outside of a Twitter post or their own dysfunctional blog that even they don't know how to navigate. How much communication do you think Twitch had about this? None. Zip. Zero. Nada. Twitch is running out of eyes that it can afford to have blackened by their gross negligence of their own platform. You want some better news? How about some better news? AMD is giving up details on its Zen 4 architecture. So for those who are keeping track, this would be the fourth generation of the Zen architecture. And 
But this are and Ryzen or Zen in particular really was the dawn of AMD actually making a usable processor. Before then you had Bulldozer, Excavator, which had a lot of cores, but used them very, very poorly. Ryzen or the Zen architecture is what it finally took for AMD to overtake Intel that wasn't innovating for over eight years. Ryzen is the reason that most high-end home PCs have six to eight cores, that even the, high, that the highest end home PCs can have upwards of 16 CPU cores. Zen 1 was the first introductory version of it. Zen 2 really stepped up its game by bringing 16 core computing to the home. Zen 3 overtook Intel in performance per clock and took the gaming crown from Intel. Zen 4 is going to 5 nanometers and introducing the ability to add more cores and improved instructions per clock again. Now, on the home side of things, we don't know yet what kind of core counts we can expect in the standard Ryzen 9 processor, or even the Ryzen 7s. But right now, on the industrial side of things, your Threadripper workstation CPUs, the ones that are used for editing Hollywood movies or doing protein folding simulations, or doing, say, all the server work on the Epic side of things, the processes that most likely power some of the biggest MMOs. On the Intel side of things, a single Xeon Platinum CPU has 28 CPU cores in it, which is massive, by the way. And then in a server, you can have two of those Xeon CPUs. That's what Intel has. AMD currently on the Zen 3 architecture can have 64 CPU cores maximum on one AMD Epic CPU. And yes, much like the Xeons, you can in fact have two of those 64 core CPUs in one server. If you are especially crazy, you might even be able to squeeze four, like you can with Intel as well. But I'll be perfectly honest with you, it is very, very, very rare to see four CPUs nowadays in a server. You have thermal constraints. You just physically can't fit that many CPUs on the motherboard. Two is usually the maximum you see. Zen 4 will introduce 96 CPU cores at launch maximum per CPU. 
that means on one ser on one dual socket server which is pretty much the standard in a data center you would have 192 physical cores of compute power to make it even crazier on the lower nanometer process, that means these cores are more efficient. And the fact that you have all of these cores only powering one motherboard, you can have this one server do the work of five Intel servers. That means consolidating your power consumption from five servers down to one. You may not think this is a big deal for the average user. But let me tell you something. When you're talking to, when in the data in the data space center, what is very important is how much compute power you can fit into a square foot. How much cooling is required to cool all this computing? And most importantly of all, how much power is that compute taking? Because you can go ahead and price up one of these high-end servers and see $50,000 per server, and that's going to seem absurd. But then you start getting bulk discounting for ordering, you know, hundreds of them for your data center. And then see your power bill get cut by 60%. And all of a sudden, this upgrade pays for itself very, very quickly. And to make matters even crazier, that 192 cores, multiply that by two again. Because the Ryzen CPU cores have a version of hyper-threading, meaning that you have two virtual cores per CPU core. So you have 384 threads of compute power. And these epic processes, of course, are fine-tuned for the most amount of performance per watt. Oh, and by the way, all that I said is absolutely pointless because that's what's going to happen at launch. M months down the road, AMD has promised they will have a 128 core Zen 4 CPU. So now that's 256 CPU cores in one server or 512 CPU threads in one single server box. Hey Intel, what do you have in your server market? Oh yeah, it's still 28 cores. Just think about how much Baron's chat you can monitor with that much, that much CPU prowess.
for those wanting to take a look at what Apple is doing with ARM and saying that is without a doubt the future because Intel has been stagnant for so long or that AMD will never catch up to Intel. I am telling you this right now. That is some small, smooth-brained thinking. Because to simply say that the future of ARM is here right now, and that x86 and AMD and Intel should just give up and die, I think you severely underestimate what these engineers at AMD and Intel both can do. AMD has shown that they're playing for keeps. And what Intel has shown with Alder Lake obviously shows that they are not one to lay down and die either. That they're going to go swinging and they can swing hard. Remember in these CPU wars, it is no longer about AMD versus Intel. It is AMD versus Intel versus all of ARM. And who's going to win? I don't know. You don't know either. Nobody truly knows. But a lot of people sure want to have an opinion about it and think that they're right for no adequately explored reason. Other than, you know, the small piece of the picture they want to look at. When you look at the big picture, get some popcorn ready because this is going to be a fantastic show. There is no other way to look at it. Speaking of, of the whole theme of fantastic show, Apple Silicon is moving to third, moving to three nanometer versions for its Mac and iPhone chips as soon as 2023. But just to kind of show the small little bubble that a lot of the diehards want to live in, this is from 9to5Mac. The headline reads as follows. Three nanometer Mac and iPhone chips coming as soon as 2023. Apple Silicon Roadmap leaps ahead of Intel. That's so, such a small brain way of looking at it. You're looking at nanometers. Nanometers are important as far as power consumption goes, but look at what Intel did with a 10 nanometer part. They beat the, they beat the snot out of AMD with their Alder Lake processors, which is 10 nanometers, and the AMD parts are a seven nanometer part. The lower the nanometers, generally the faster and more power efficient you are. But Intel has proven that nanometers are not as important as they used to be. If you're gonna say that, oh, hey, Apple Silicon is ro roads ahead because they're planning on being three nanometers in two years, First off, has 2020 taught you nothing? A lot can happen in one year. I don't know how many more times I'm going to be saying that. So much can happen in just 
one little year. So in two years, Apple will be, be at three nanometers. To quote Austin Powers, it's not the size that matters. It's how you use it. Don't count Intel out yet. And for, and for you to be an Apple fanboy and only look at Intel because Intel made parts for Apple, you are ignoring the absolute behemoth that is AMD. And that is simply just, you can't do that. You just simply can't. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we need to talk about Windows 11 SE and what it means for both the education sector and also for general users. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Yeah, another look at some of the bumpers we're going to be doing in 2022. This one is the Kobito of the Shining Needle, a remix a remix from Toho, I want to say 12, or is it 13? Done by Linkstar Zelda on YouTube. And I thank them so much for giving us permission to use this bumper. Chat says 14, I believe them. I unfortunately did not record that when I got my info down because... Well, they didn't have it either. So Microsoft has announced Windows 11 SE built for low cost education PCs. And this is also going to coincide with their own. Oh no, no never mind. They haven't talked about it yet. There's just rumors of it. With the potential affordable education based laptops costing roughly $250. So right now, if you're going to go ahead and build a PC, no matter how low you get the parts, the base cost is always gonna be $100 unless you pirate Windows, because that is how much a Windows 11 license costs. But back in Windows 10, there was a compact light version that OEMs could install that lacked a lot of the features, but was more optimized for lower end hardware and low cost machinery, specifically for the education sector. Windows 11 SE, much like its predecessor, what did they call it? Windows 10 X? No, I don't think that was it. Was it called Windows 10 SE? Was it just Windows 10 E? It got talked about so infrequently after its launch, I don't even remember anymore. But that basically just had the inability for you to install other software. You only had the access to the Microsoft Store, but it had Microsoft Office pre-installed. Chat is fairly certain it was also Windows 10 SE. That's quite possible. But Windows 10 SE, unfortunately, you could not, as an individual, buy a disk to install Windows 10 SE yourself. Only a system integrator could. And in fact, Windows 10 SE, 
or I'm sorry, Windows 11 SE follows in that pattern in which it comes preloaded and it is hard locked. You cannot reinstall Windows 11 SE. If you went ahead and found a low cost laptop that had Windows 11 SE on it, you could go ahead and reinstall install Windows 11. I've actually done that back in the Windows 10 era. A lot of, of uh, 300 low-end Windows 10 education ed edition laptops don't want to deal with the lockdown version, install Windows 10, bing, bang, boom, you're done. And it runs fairly well. Those are good times. I'm not going to lie. Part of me actually does miss picking up an entire pallet of laptops, reformatting them all, cleaning them up, and then selling them for profit. It was a lot more fun than it sounds. Let me just tell you that much. I miss it, but I don't miss it. So Windows 11 is going to be the same way. Is it something to be concerned with? I, I'm disappointed. I wish they would lift that caveat because these SE versions do run better on older hardware. I would not mind at all, say, picking up. Actually, here's actually a very good example. I'm willing to bet if I go to the website where I used to get my, where I used to pick up tablets of laptops and look under it, there's probably a pallet of Chromebooks there that no one wants to pick up and they're selling for like 15 bucks per. If someone had the time, they could pick up all of those, install Windows 11 SE, whatever the cost of the license would be per. Oh yeah, sure. Oh, actually, there's not many. There's only 16. There's only, or I'm sorry, only 24. 11-inch Chromebook sitting on a pa pallet over there. So that's, it's not terrible. But those are going to be there for a while. In related story, there are 10 real laptops there. Unfortunately, not very good ones. But it'd be nice to go ahead, throw Windows 11 SE, and put an operating system on there that is useful. But I can use Chrome OS. Yeah, you can. You can also use MS-DOS. That doesn't mean you should. I hate to tell you this again and again and again, but the only reason you bought a Chromebook was because it's cheap. And a Chromebook is hilariously limited by the fact that, that it has Chrome OS on it. And it could live a much better life with literally any other operating system on it other than Chrome OS. And you know what? Windows 11 SE, since it's light and could run on that low-end so hardware. I mean, these suckers have a Pentium E2188 dual core, which I'm looks like it's a 2 gigahertz part. Let's actually take a look at how high-end this th thing is. 
two gigahertz dual core processor, two gigs of RAM, 160 gigabyte hard drive. You really do wish you could go ahead and get some real performance out of it. It's a 65 watt process. That can't be right. I got a feeling they're listing these processors wrong. There is no way that that is rocking a... There's no way that laptop is a 65 watt processor in it. That does not make any sense. I think someone put the wrong information down. But yeah, to see Windows 11 go ahead and not and refuse to be installed by a third party like yourself at home, it's disappointing. But I'm not surprised. I wish they would reconsider. And even if it's through like a channel that you have to jump through some hoops for. I would love to see that change. The Xbox app finally lets you choose where you can install your PC games. This was a story I saw when it crossed my desk and went, that wasn't a thing? So apparently the Xbox app for your PC, you could install games but it would only put them in one location, nowhere else. But Microsoft has remedied this. You can now choose where to install your PC games. My condolences go out to every other person out there that was forced to install their PC games in there wherever the heck it was where, where would it have been like what the games folder no one uses it would have to be right just what the heck Ah, uh, whatever. The point is, is that you can now fix that. Someone in chat asks, is this Game Pass games or just the PC game? It's just the PC games, I believe. No, it would be the Game Pass games too, because there wasn't a cloud service yet for the Game Pass games. Someone in chat says, and they didn't fix the issue. Have you checked since three days ago? Because that is apparently when they pushed out this fix. So originally they installed it in the default boot drive.
So apparently the issue is that the Xbox Game Pass games for PC install an image file in a hidden folder. Does it still do that though? So that's what's unclear right now. The actual article from PC Gamer says that that Microsoft is finally updating the Xbox and Microsoft Store apps on Windows so you can specify a folder to install your games to. The change will be available soon and people who install the Xbox Insider Hub app is ex is expected to be in beta before the release of Halo Infinite on December 8th. So it's actually not clear if it'll let you choose where you can It's not clear whether it includes those or not. Apparently you could previously choose the drive, but not the folder location. Well, unfortunately the change is not out yet, so we cannot test it yet. Meanwhile, in the business world, DoorDash has accompanied the, the food delivery company, Walt, for a smooth 7 billion euros, or 8.1 billion USD. Now, the buyout was in all stock, so... There should be an asterisk around the buyout purchase. Since, well, it's in stock and the value of stock does in fact fluctuate. But you know what's really telling about the acquisition? Do you know why DoorDash did it? There's actually two reasons. One is the reason they said and the other reason is the obvious reason. The stated reason is for data. And I believe that. I believe DoorDash believes that they are out for the data that Walt had. To see where customers were that, that Walt serviced so that they could go ahead and serve advertisements to go with DoorDash. I believe that to be true. You know what else I believe? I believe the same thing you guys are all thinking right now. That this was a decision done for the sole purpose, the sole purpose of getting rid of a competitor across seas and to get a better foothold across the pond. What, you buy a direct competitor and all you want is the data? Come on. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that you wanted to buy the competition for the sake of buying the competition.
By the way, if you had a Google Pixel, um, you would have seen that you had a massive update. You know what's fun about this Pixel update? It was the entire operating system. Even better, it was the entire operating system of the current version you already had. Slow freaking clap. Incredible, incredible. Good job, Google. You have sent out a massive piece of absolute bloat. Meanwhile, in the corporate world, McDonald's is trying to figure out a way to cut out more of the human element because it is very quickly finding out that people like being paid and machines are fine being paid in batteries. So how can you take the human element out of McDonald's any more than already hiring people without souls? Well, replace the drive-through with an Amazon Echo, of course. Amazon is automating the ordering system through the drive-through using AI by IBM. Now, this, I have a mix of, of emotions in all this. So on one hand, this is a function that is taking out a a low paying, no skill employment job out of the job market. Which in the grand scheme of things is not the best, but the, the job market will live without it. It does however introduce the potential of a better paying job in having to maintain the blasted AI overlord that will mishear you ordering your McDouble. It also takes out the human element of that, of that one terrible cashier that judges your life decisions and when you order your two Big Macs, instead, or, instead puts in a chicken sandwich and a salad because it's better for you. Yeah, we're keeping an eye on you, Karen. I'm not going to McDonald's to eat better. I'd go somewhere else. And at the same time, this is absolutely fascinating to see the lengths McDonald's goes to to try and automate as much of their operation as possible. And like the tech, the technology part of me is really interested to see how far this goes. But at the same time, I remember how many times the Amazon Echo next to me mishears me, repeats back something radically different, or... For that fact, when people try to go ahead and put a, spe a specific reminder in the Amazon Echo, 
And then when that reminder comes, it says something completely different. So once again, as someone who uh, doesn't really go to McDonald's all that much, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, enjoy the popcorn while I go watch this. Someone in chat says it's better for people who are introverts or neurodivergent in, in ways that make interacting with a cashier a source of anxiety. The problem with this is that this mechanism doesn't help those people at all because you are still dealing with the cashier and you are still dealing with the human being that is handing you your food. So good thought. Unfortunately, this isn't helping with that yet. That being said, I for one look forward to coming back in nine years and seeing all McDonald's restaurants basically become a giant vending machine. What? It's going to happen. You look at me in the face and tell me it's not going to happen. That McDonald's is just going to become a giant vending machine. And, par and part of you in the back of your head is absolutely disgusted at the fact that they're eliminating that many jobs even though they're low paying and is also incredibly fascinated and would love to see how the heck that would work in the back end. Like that's all the that's all the McDonald's employment base is going to be. It's going to be the people restocking the stocks of the, of the of the entire automated systems. It's going to be the handful of maintenance guys and computer engineers who would have to be high paid because they have to be high skilled in order to maintain all that equipment. But for the most part, there's going to come, time, come a time point where there's going to be pretty much no one at each of these McDonald's places, except for maybe a Janet. Actually, no, you would still. That would be the only element you'd have to keep. You'd have to keep one janitor to empty the trash. You could automate the floor scrubbing, you can automate the mopping. You can't automate emptying the trash yet. Someone in chat says, I for one look for, for, forward to that failing because because you can, with the current automated ordering system, order 10 McNuffings and get a free burger. They did fix that. There actually was a video that went viral. It was actually out at, in Australia. You could order like 10 McDoubles for a dollar each, but then omit every ingredient in it other than I think it was like ketchup was like the only thing they couldn't omit. It ended up being negative 10 cents after everything was removed. And then order one McDouble with, with the actual everything on it.
which then ended up being being your bill being a net zero and then after that then with that being taxed you know a percentage of zero is still zero Oh yeah, McDonald's McDonald's going one step closer to being a giant vending machine. Mixed feelings about that. Kind of want to see how they do it, but still going to be rather sad. UCI-led teams believe that advancements in wind and solar could in fact power the world's majority of companies most of our countries most of the time. Now, Here's the thing. And here's one thing that actually does drive me nuts about these sort of alternate energy focus groups. There is what they say is theoretically possible and then reality. This group says they can do it, that they can get wind basically almost running completely 24-7. That's what they say. Here's what I say. Then do it. Listen to Emperor Palpatine. Do it. Prove to me you didn't just do quick math on a napkin. That is what we need to see. Solar, of course, I mean, no matter how much energy you can get off the moon, there's going to be downtime. Solar, you're obviously going to need batteries to go ahead and provide power during the nighttime. But again, you want to tell us that th this is all good. You can go ahead and make this all happen. Then do it all ready. Someone in chat says, what about when the weather is calm? So the claim is with a lot of these windmills is that a slight breeze is enough to get a rotation and generate electricity. But the thing is, these same windmills that supposedly do that, the moment that it actually is windy, they have to shut off because otherwise they then overload the turbine. And if these guys say, hey, we found the way around it, that the slight breeze on a calm day is enough to turn them, I'd say, again, cool, great, do it. Show a working model. Prove your napkin math is not napkin math. Then, then, and only then, do you deserve this story. Because until then, you're just promising, you're promising just hollow promises with nothing there with nothing to show for it and are you're hurting the cause more than you're helping.
theoretical BS does not help push it forward. Actually pushing it forward helps push progress forward. NASA says its moon landing goal is pushed to 2025 due to Blue Origins litigation. So let me get this straight. NASA is blaming its inability to go onto the moon on Amazon. Also other factors. All right, okay, technically there is a very big line between Blue Origin and uh, and Amazon. Actually, no, Be Bezos is in charge of Blue Origin, but not Amazon anymore, isn't he? I completely forgot that Bezos stepped down from Amazon. So yeah, it's just Bezos. And his Lex Luthor smile is keeping NASA from the moon. Look, it's all right, NASA. All right, we get it. You can just say there's a massive chip shortage due to cryptocurrency. The Supreme can go with the moon. That's fine. I'm totally on board for just blaming crypto. I am 100% on board for this. We don't have to go ahead and, and blame the giant space um, uh, Johnson. The space Johnson that Blue Origin has. We can just blame cryptocurrency. We can all get on board of this. Actually, I'm going to mix up the order a little bit here. Can you tell I'm doing this on the fly and I didn't really plan this episode all that well? The OnePlus Nord 2 has exploded. A Twitter user has claimed that a Nord 2 smartphone has exploded in the user's pants, causing burn injury to his thighs. So we, we could potentially have another Note 7 situation, but it is unfortunately only one phone. That's not really much much to go off. There could be a number of other... Oh, wow. There could be a number of features going on there, but... I mean, let's just be honest. Clearly, what happened is that your Nord phone saw something that was a little bit too hot to handle. That's clearly what happened, right? In all seriousness, though, I do, I do hope that uh, this is resolved, that um, he does heal from his burns, or she, I actually don't know. 
And unfortunately, my lack of knowledge of Indian names is not helping me identify the gender of the user. I want to say male, but I'm not sure. I also don't know how to pronounce this. Suhit Sharma? Apologies for mispronouncing that. I am a 99% certain I mispronounced that. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. And then finally, we're going to get to our last story here. I'm kind of building off the automation of a giant corporate business. A self-driving Walmart truck makes a delivery. The Walmart truck is built on a Ford Transit cutaway chassis using a very small box, a refrigerated truck, no less, and a LiDAR system mounted at the top, but the driver was in the passenger side seat as this truck ran and made its deliveries from one place to another. Now, this is cool and all, and before anyone goes, oh boy, here we go again, Walmart going ahead and eliminating more worker job positions. Let me ask you this. How many job positions do I actually get rid of here? This has always been the thing that slayed me about truckers becoming obsolete. You still gotta have a guy there to load and unload the truck. <laughs> oh, good job. You have eliminated the number of drivers from one to one. Wait. I mean, let's pretend that this self-driving truck can do everything itself. You still have to have the guy there unload it. And before someone goes, well, I mean, in, in the case of the, of the self-driving semi-truck, you don't need someone with, with a CDL and that kind of certifications to go ahead and drive the whole thing. And yeah, that is the case in the freight industry, but let's be honest, you're still gonna go ahead and for the first 10 years, still, keep, still make sure they're CDL certified just in case that system fails. You, you know as well as I do, that's gonna be the case. But in the case of this truck, it's a class 2B truck. The only qualification to drive this truck is a valid driver's license and your ability to fog a mirror. That's it. That is the only requirement to, to driving this truck. Guess what your requirements are to pretty much be the co-pilot in this driverless vehicle. Most likely also have a valid driver's license in case you need to take over for the vehicle and the ability to fog a mirror. Yeah. So there you have it. Those are the stories. As far as the usual quick updates I give for the podcast, there's not a whole lot to really up update on. We're still working on here all the various bumpers. I do have a large number of them selected. I will be revealing them 
week after week after week leading up to the start of the 2022 season of Eagle Eyes on Tech. But needless to say, I think you're going to enjoy them. We are still looking out to expand on other platforms. I don't know if I'd take another deal. I talked about this last week, whether I would take another deal like Helium Radio, having this podcast broadcast live on a internet radio station. I don't think it's worth it. I think it's safe to say now, after going over my numbers again and again and again, there was no benefit at all to being on that network because either their viewership is so low, it's a rounding error and doesn't even peg on my viewership's statistics at all, or the way they operate robs me of the views, robs me of my ad revenue, in which case they are basically stealing my content and I get nothing for it. It's one of the two. And I don't know which it is. But either way, if you two are a podcaster out there and wondering if you do something like I did with Helium Radio, my answer would be no. Absolutely not. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. If you were with me live, thank you so much for hanging out and being with me live. I don't know if we'll be doing more of these live, but, you know, check out the other content. Twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon, the early burb briefing, the main podcast. Check it all out. And if you are a subscriber, thank you. Thank you very much. I do greatly appreciate it.